Welcome to the pod. This is what I have for you today. I'm going to talk to you about Ryan Garcia, what happened on Saturday, and kind of break it down for you and give you a synopsis of everything that went down on Saturday with the Ryan Garcia fight. Then I'm going to do some NFL, and I'm going to end the night talking to you about the NBA. We had uh, one really good game in the in the quarterfinals, I think this is what this is. The quarterfinals of the playing game. And the second game is good. Not as good as the first one. But it's good. And so, I'll break down. I'll break that down. And I'll be the pot. So, here we go. Tomorrow, we have the second, the other half, but I'll, I'll get to that towards the end of the pod. And Ryan Garcia has fought. Ryan Garcia last fought on April 22nd of this year, where he suffered a, a KO loss to Javante Davis, or Tank Davis. And he loses in, a, in, the, in the seventh round. He goes down and... Since then, you know, there was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of talk about what happened. Uh, David and I, shout out to David, we did a pod after that fight on how it was weird how the Golden Boy staff left him alone. Golden Boy, um, the dude that Golden Boy said that they had received threats and that's why they weren't there with them. So obviously, he, you know, he took it, you know, Ryan Garcia took that very personal. Uh, it's your first loss. You expect the, the your promoters to be there with you during that tough time. They weren't there. And um, from that point forward, Ryan Garcia <laughs> kind of went um, on a dark mode with uh, Golden Boy. Now, things weren't... <laughs> Things weren't all that great with Golden Boy before then, but they, you know, they got worse. And Ryan Garcia, from there, he leaves Joe Goosen, who was the trainer at the time, his trainer at the time, and he goes with Derek James. He goes with Derek James, and Derek James um, led him to to this fight. And then we started to see, um, we started to see Ryan Garcia. With other, with other um, Golden Boy foes, and and none other than Floyd Mayweather being the main one, and we started seeing a lot of pictures of Ryan with Floyd, um, Floyd who represents or or promotes Javante Davis, um, and heading into this fight on Friday when they had the weigh in and the last press conference, the whole thing, uh, Ryan felt like Golden Boy was was rooting for Oscar Duarte, who was his opponent on Saturday. And they felt like they were rooting for him, and he felt like they were on him. So he, you know, he, he lashes out in the press conference. Oscar obviously didn't like that, called him a little kid. Um, so just a lot of stuff going on there. Ryan is did re-sign or extend his contract for five more years. 
in 2019. So I think his original contract was scheduled to be to expire 2022. So if he did a five-year extension, that takes him up to 2027. Uh, Ryan did try to get out of it, is trying to get out of it. I don't know how successful that's going to be. One, two, I don't know if it's in his best interest to do so since Showtime is out of boxing. Um, and it, you know, it's kind of up in the air where any of these fights are going to go. Is everybody going to go to the zone? And if that's the case, then um, you're kind of better off staying with Golden Boy, even though you hate your promoter. Um, but that's that's the Ryan Garcia. That's the story heading into this this fight. Now, who's Oscar Duarte? Oscar Duarte is this Mexican fighter who is a tough fighter. He is he has power. He has um, I wouldn't say he he has elite boxing skills. I wouldn't say that, but he is a guy that is able to 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 tag you and he 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 relies a lot on on his power that he possesses um he entered the the fight 25 and 2 25 and 1 sorry 25 and 1 with one draw and he is he was considered you know he he was a he was a knockout guy he he kind of was entering this on a um kind of just knocking dudes out so his resume is not that impressive so it's not like he was facing high level competition but this was a good tough test for ryan garcia typically when a fighter loses and they're coming off a loss you don't go up against a guy like duarte because duarte is 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 a good strong competitive uh journey guy um and typically, when you're gonna return from a loss, you 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 kind of get a the sense that the guy you want in front of you is is a tomato can. You know, you you want somebody that's gonna make you look good. And Duarte was not that type of dance partner. Duarte was going in there looking for his shot. That's you know to to make a name for himself. And so shout out to Ryan for that. You know, give him all the credit for taking a a very tough fight. Now, Duarte is represented by Golden Boy. So if he felt like Golden Boy was was telling, was believing that Duarte could win, well, that's kind of their job. <laughs> their job is to, to, to put confidence. And so I just thought Ryan was being a little, you know, he was being childish and immature. When it came to all that. So when this, the fight started. And so I, leading up to the fight. Duarte obviously was trying to sell himself. Because that's what you do when, you, when you're when you in combat sports. You sell yourself. And the his selling point was Ryan has no heart. Ryan quit. Ryan isn't king. And then you know he started saying that in Mexico nobody respects Ryan. And you know here. You know the, the nickname for Ryan is King Ryan. And he was saying that they call him Queen Ryan. Garcia in Mexico um, and so you know all that was all the jazz that gets added to to a fight so Garcia you know the fight starts and one of the things that immediately jumps out at you is or before I go there what I was looking for in this fight was Ryan how was Ryan going to fight because you're coming off of getting knocked out Granted, it's versus Javante Davis, um, and Tank is one of the most hard-hitting boxers today, and and so I understand that you know that it's different. But when you go in the ring and you've been dropped and 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 that's what's happened to you, I'm, I the psyche is different. Psychologically, you're a different fighter now because now you know that you've tasted the canvas you you know what it is to to be dropped now that can serve the fighter in a positive way where now you know and you know not only have you been dropped but you know that you're strong enough and you have the heart to to get up keep going and and keep it moving 
or it can also derail guys that you know it it, it kind of has it can have the opposite effect when when the invincibility aura is taken away you know we kind of saw that with Mike Tyson and UFC we saw that with Ronda Rousey uh, that once you hit the the bully and once you hit the 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 champion and they taste defeat it kind of spirals out of control so I want to see how is Ryan going to respond. And I, th I think this is why we have to give him credit for choosing to fight or accepting to fight um, Duarte. Um, and this was also at 140, which is uh, which was Ryan's first taste at, at that weight class. Now, what I was surprised in seeing was that Ryan was willing to box. Ryan was willing to to take his time. Uh, Ryan was patient. He was using his jab, not as much as I would have loved to see see it, but he was using his jab. Uh, he he found that Duarte had would the way Duarte is built. He kind of you know when he covers himself, his guard covers the sides, but he would leave. He leaves just the the entire middle part open, the middle part of his face. And so Ryan was was looking for uppercuts in the beginning part of the fight. And Duarte is, is a type of fighter that comes forward head down and he doesn't throw punches unless he sees you, which is which is typical of, of a guy that fights like that. Uh, but also if you have the skills to to get a guy off of you, like, get a guy off of you and and hit him and move and and, you know, stick and jab stick and move stick and move all of a sudden you find yourself frustrating a guy like that now ryan was moving a lot he was running all over the ring but he wasn't really sticking him he wasn't hitting him and moving uh which you know comes with time and and probably ryan could develop that and Derek james can can help him develop that and ryan ultimately Overall, I thought he he presented himself very well. He fought a good fight. Um, one of the things that I've complained about Ryan Garcia a lot is that he he drops his hands a lot, and that kept happening. And maybe that is his one flaw as a fighter. Maybe his flaw in the ring is that he will always drop his hands. And and the problem with that is that that's a huge flaw because when you get in the ring with other higher end boxers who are able to pick up on that who are able to time you the results is going to be what we saw versus Javante Davis and that's why when the question you know that comes up what's next for Ryan Garcia and can he compete at 140 Ryan has the raw skills he has the the power he has um, the size he has the speed to and the youth to, to compete, to, to compete against any of these guys at 140, whether it's Delfimo, whether it's Regis, who's fighting actually on Saturday versus Devin Haney, Josh Taylor, or Jose Ramirez, or any one of those dudes. If, if, is he able to? Yes, of course he is, because he's talented. He has the talent to do so. Now, where I become skeptical whether he actually will be able to compete against guys like that is the fact that he just... He drops his hands. He's sloppy. He's still sloppy. You know, we, we, we saw it. We've seen it with all of the trainers that Ryan has had. Um, he's been able to learn a few things and, and pick up a few things with the different trainers. But none of them have been able to fix the fact that he drops his hands. I just and I just and I don't understand why that isn't a bigger emphasis for Ryan, you know, because I'm sure. Uh, his trainers are have gotten on him and have told him, um, but it's just you know, and maybe it's one of those things that he's so young and he's been so used to dominating guys without having to think of it. Uh, but the the higher you go in in the game and the and, and the better competition you fight against, um, that's that's a what that's a thing that will get exposed um, over and over again. Ryan uh, won the fight, TKO, eighth round, when he hit Duarte with a, over the, you know, in the temple, Duarte loses control, he falls to the ground, 
And he kind of just stood on his knees. Now, we've seen fighters that will kind of regroup. You know, they're down, they'll regroup, and then they'll get up at six, seven, you know, eight comes around, even nine. And, you know, they're, they're in front of the ref. Okay, let's go. And Duarte just kind of stood on his knee, staring at the ref. And the ref was like right up in his face, counting one, two, doing the 10 count. And he decides to get up at nine, and it was too late. And I just don't understand what he was trying to do. He, he you know, was trying to argue after the fact that, oh, wait, I was still in this fight. Like, you know, you, you, you counted me out early. But, like, dude, you were on the ground. And the ref is there to protect both fighters. And if you're on the ground up until the ninth count, um, he's not protecting you because you're, you know, boxers will, because they're warriors, and because they have been, their whole livelihood is built on fighting and, and fighting till the end and never quitting, their whole idea, the idea of quitting is is almost, you know, doesn't exist for them. And it's why fighters rarely, where you see a fighter, say no mas and it's why the Roberto Duran um, fight when he says no mas uh, is, is so iconic because that doesn't happen much and fighters will tell you that they're done not you know without words they'll look at you it's a face it's a nod um, and it's almost like you know they, they've resigned themselves to the fact that they're not going to be able to do it and if you're just on, on your knee for that long, the uh, the ref was gonna is gonna stop it. So I I thought it was a good stoppage from that standpoint. Um, now Duarte probably could have continued. He probably wanted to continue, but you just, you can't be on the ground for that long. We just can't. That that can't be that that can't be what happened. Um, speaking, you know of, you know I sa I said how um, Ryan was hanging out with. With Floyd Mayweather, and one of the things that we saw was that um, Ryan Ryan was trying to do the shoulder roll. And if you have seen Mayweather, if you've seen a Mayweather fight, and if you haven't, you know, Google um, or you know, look up on social media the Mayweather shoulder roll, uh, and which is you know a fillet, a staple of Philadelphia fighters. That the fight this way, uh, the shoulder roll, um, and that's what Ryan Garcia was trying to do. He was trying to do a version of it. Um, the problem is Ryan Garcia hasn't per perfected it, so it looked really awkward and weird. Um, so a lot of times in the fight, you f you you know, Duarte found himself behind Ryan Garcia, and Ryan Garcia found himself giving his back to Duarte, and Duarte would you know unintentionally hit him in the back of the head and the back of in, in the you know the back um he got the referee you know told him a few times and but it got to a point where it's like well if ryan's is gonna show me his back well i gotta hit something um so that that was that, that was kind of little little comical to, to see ryan garcia trying to do the the shoulder roll um throughout the fight um but overall Overall, the, the skills of Ryan Garcia were um, too much for Duarte, which we kind of knew. We kind of knew that was going to happen. Because Duarte, um, he has a lot of heart. He has power. But he, he just doesn't have the skill to, to, to really put Ryan Garcia to the test. Uh, Ryan Garcia was running around, and, and Duarte was just not able to close the ring off. Um, he just wasn't didn't have the, the the boxing side of it to 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 compete with Ryan Garcia, and for that standpoint, Ryan Garcia wasn't tested. Ryan Garcia wasn't tested from the standpoint of his skill. Um, really, what Ryan Garcia was tested on was his patience. Was he gonna listen to to Derek James, which he did? He was patient and he kind of waited his turn, waited his turn. Um, and then pounced in the eighth round when he was able to to get in there and 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 make the fight happen. Uh, and, and get and he got the knockout. And we'll see what happens for Ryan now because 
He could fight Delfimo. I don't know if the Devin Haney fight or the Regis fight happens. Because I think uh, Shakur Stevenson's probably higher on that list. Um, so maybe down the road, maybe we get a Javante Davis versus Garcia rematch. Maybe. Um, but you know, Javante Davis, that guy, um, he's not the most eager to get into the ring either. Uh, so it's just, it's a wait and see with this younger generation, with that division that could be a waste that, that those crop of fighters could either be one of the greatest generations and, and, or it could be one of the biggest waste of generations in boxing if they don't fight each other and all they do is uh, record interviews and podcasts uh, talking about how they would beat each other and poke in front of each other because uh, that's that's what this has become for those guys. So Ryan Garcia gets his victory, 140, and we'll see where it goes from here. Um, Devin Haney does fight on Saturday and uh, my guy David and I will break that down sometime this week before um, that fight because that's an important fight for the 140 pounders um, because Devin Haney is the one making it happen he's a champion he has juice and he is the most wanted man in that division and the one thing about Haney is that he's willing to fight He's willing to, to get himself in the ring. And you got to respect that. You got to respect that about that guy. So, um, yeah. So, Ryan Garcia, um, to close this out, look good. Is he going to compete against the other guys? He could. Will he? We don't know. Ryan Garcia won on Saturday. That's what matters. Week 13. Let's start with Thursday. Thursday, the Cowboys got their their much-needed win versus a decent team. Up until now, they had beaten up on the really bad teams. <laughs> and if, when you look at the Cowboys' uh, resume, you kind of were like, wow, this is the teams that the Cowboys have beat. Like, this is not that impressive. What's, like, what's going on with these guys? Like, uh, is this... Are they a good team? Are they a good, bad team? Who like? So we didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to do with the Cowboys. We didn't know whether to take them seriously. Now they're nine and three, so at a certain point you take them somewhat serious. But they're wins. Before they beat the Seahawks, um, they beat the Giants, the Jets. They lost to the Cardinals, which made everybody nervous um they beat the pats who are awful the chargers they got killed by the 49ers they killed the rams and the rams you know now that that wins actually looking kind of kind of better they lose to the eagles they beat the giants again they beat the panthers they beat the commanders and then they beat the sea chickens last thursday and it kind of it was a good game because the the seahawks were were winning uh, there was like a stat where uh, Pete Carroll hadn't lost when the t- when the Seahawks scored over thirty five points. They lose, um, and Dak Prescott was really good again. Twenty nine forty one, two hundred ninety nine yards, three touchdowns, and Dakota P- Prescott was as good as uh, as good as any quarterback, and he's been playing as good as any quarterback over the last few weeks. And this is where what I was talking about earlier. We didn't know what to do with these performances because obviously they're good. He's putting up these numbers. He looks great. CeeDee Lamb looks like the guy. Mike McCarthy's looking like, man, like this guy's actually coaching up this team. Although he still does some like super dumb stuff to end the game. But he, so, but we didn't know. We didn't know what to do with Dak. And I think now we we felt better because they beat the Seahawks, who are um, in contention to make the playoffs. And 
that was how we started week 13. Now, I'm not going to go game for game, but this is this is where we're at. We saw a really good performance by the Colts. The Colts who have a legitimate coach now. They had Frank Wright last last year. And this year, they have a legitimate coach. A coach that knows what he's doing. A coach that knows how to coach up his teams. A guy that came from Philadelphia in Shane Steichen. And Shane Steichen was the was the offensive coordinator with the with uh, Philadelphia. And one of the things that, that, that we have seen that the Eagles have struggled with is the offense this year. Uh, but he's been he, he's been really good and he was really good on on Sunday uh, versus the Titans and as the Colts beat the Titans and it kinda I think that was it. I think that was it for the Titans. I think the Titans you know the Titans definitely needed that win. Uh, they weren't able to get it, and I think that that's kind of going to be it for them this season. Um, then we also had um, later on in the in the in the first games, the Lions won, and the Lions find themselves at nine and three, and we could continue to give them their flowers, but they're going to be a playoff team, and. I think it's time we have a sober conversation about the Lions. And the Lions defense is just not that good. And the Lions defense is not only not that good, it is horrendous. And it is horrendous for a team that some consider to be a contender in the NFC. I don't think that because of that defense. Because when you think of San Francisco, Philadelphia, and the Cowboys... All those teams have good offenses, and those teams could score points. But those teams have also a decent to good to great defense as well. And the Lions just don't have that. The Lions don't seem to have get the stops when they absolutely need them, um, which can be and will be a problem once we get to the playoffs. But they won in New Orleans 33-28, a good win for them. The Chargers won 6-0 versus the Patriots, and the Chargers suck. It, it, it's, it's time to fi- fire Staley. The, 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 pa- the Patriots have no intention of winning. The Patriots are not interested in winning. The Patriots want to win this year's first pick in the NFL draft. And to only score six points on that team is embarrassing. And, and there comes a time where the Chargers have to care about their fans. The Chargers have to care about um, putting a competitive team around a competitive coach. Not a team. They have a good roster. A good competitive coach for that roster so that they can compete in a proper way in the AFC. So six zero that that's just that, that was awful. That was a terrible game. Um, the Steelers they lose Pickett and they lose to the Cardinals at home. That was surprising. I, I, that that was a surprising result. Um, so the Steelers now are reeling and they they actually if things break bad for them, um, they might miss the playoffs altogether. They got Mitchell Trubisky as their quarterback now. Um, so yikes. Because Kenny Pickett, I think, at the, you know, might be out for the whole year. The whole, you know, they're saying that it's an ankle injury, sprained ankle, or something like that. He'll miss a few weeks. There's only like what four games left. I think that might be it for Mitchell Trubisky, for Kenny Pickett, and Mitchell Trubisky too. Mitchell Trubisky is just is just holding on to a backup job. The Dolphins, the Dolphins beat the Commanders, and the Dolphins are the best team in the AFC. Now, I know Baltimore didn't play, but the Dolphins, they might be the best team in the AFC. As of of now, they're the the number one seed. Who would have thought? 
Who would have thought the Dolphins would, would be that good? Um, this late in the season, they're doing their thing. Um, now, I did do a whole thing on the Dolphins last um, last week and on why I don't think they're going to – why I have my reservations about them. And I still do. I still have my reservations about the Dolphins. But one of the things that I didn't take into account when I was doing uh, – just when I was looking at everything was that the AFC is not as good as it was before. And the AFC – is as weak as it's going to be in a while. The Chiefs are the Chiefs, and Mahomes is Mahomes, but he doesn't have the weapons. And we'll get to the Sunday night game, but he just doesn't have the weapons he had before. So even if we want to say, well, the Chiefs, and he's going to have to go through the Chiefs, yeah, but the Chiefs aren't the Chiefs of last year or two years ago. And this might be the best chance for the Dolphins and the Ravens and the Jags, who, who kind of screwed themselves today, to make it to the Super Bowl. This would have been, if Joe Burrow was healthy, This I think this would have been the Bengals' Super Bowl appearance to, to lose because... The door is wide open for anybody in the AFC. So Miami, I have my reservations, but as of now, they are the number one seed. And I think that's that makes sense. As of December 4th, that makes sense. We'll see how it all shakes out in the last month or so. But as of now, the Dolphins being the number one seed makes complete sense to me. Um, the game of the week, actually, before we get to that, um, I, I need to hand out some flowers. Mike Evans. There's a lot of talk uh, whenever we talk about quarterbacks, whenever we talk about wide receivers. And wide receivers complain more than anybody, more than any other position group in the NFL about touches. And, you know, in one, in one sense you understand it because those are guys uh, well, are relying on somebody else to get them the ball. And if you have a really bad guy who's getting you the ball or not getting you the ball, then you um, suffer. Uh, and not just games, but financially, you know, because you're not hitting the marks and you're not, your stats are not as good. But then there is Mike Evans. Mike Evans yesterday got to 10 straight, 10 straight, 1,000 yard receiving yards. Now, when we think of the best wide receivers in football, we throw a bunch of names out, right? Tyreek. We we say Justin Jefferson. We say Jamar Chase. Um, we say um, Devontae Adams. We we say a bunch of you know other guys. And the list will go on and on, and, and we'll throw all these names, and you know maybe Amon St. Brown, and maybe A.J. Brown, and um, my guy Debo Samuel, and, and, and we'll, you know, a bunch of, you know, wide receivers, there's just so many. And the one guy that always gets not left out, because eventually you'll get to Mike Evans, and you say, oh, Mike Evans is good. But Mike Evans just does it, man. It doesn't matter who his quarterback's been. He just, 10 years, 10 years in the league, and 10 years are just 1,000 yards receiving yards. In that stretch, he had Josh McCown, 2014, as his quarterback, 1,000 yards. He had Jameis Winston from, 2000, from 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 1,000 yards. Now, Jameis Winston is going to turn the ball over a lot. He's going to pass for a bunch of yardage. And then he had Brady, three seasons, 20, 21, 22,000 yards. And then this year he has Baker. And it's so surprising to me that this is, you know, that the record is Jerry Rice, of course. But he finds himself 10 straight. He tied Randy Moss with 10. And it's so incredible that Mike Evans 
it finds himself in this position when we, you know, besides Brady, we never thought that he was that he had a great quarterback, and it made me think of guys like Terry McLaurin, who uh, my guy Cotto always says that, you know, scary Terry doesn't scare anybody, um, and it just it, it's just a good reminder that if you're a baller, if you if, you, if you're a good player then you're going to show out and you're going to do your thing. And Mike Evans, all he does is gets open, catches the ball, and, and racks up yard. So shout out to Mike Evans for having 10 straight 1,000-yard receiving um, game of the week. 49ers-Eagles at the link. Heading into this game, now I'm a shameless 49er fan. And... Shout out to Los Agrios because I'm there. I was saying that I felt good about the Niners. I felt like we can match up really well versus the Eagles. Now, the Eagles are a good team, and I did, and I, you know, I, and I said it here that one thing that's that's scary about the Eagles is that they have yet to play a good game, yet they keep winning. But I just felt like the Niners. Matched up really, really well versus them. They, I wasn't afraid of anything that the Eagles were going to throw at the 49ers. Um, and, you know, if there was any nerves, maybe it's, you know, can Brock Purdy do it? Because it, that, I think that's the, the only thing that's left. You know, can Purdy do this? Is this, you know, is Purdy good enough for this? And I think over and over again, Purdy has shown that, yeah, you know, I'm good. I'm fine. I can, I can play in this game. And yesterday, the game starts the way it starts. The Niners have negative yardage to end the, the first quarter. And we're down six points. And I think hmm, we're, in a, we're in a great spot. We're only down six. If the Eagles could have scored, it would have been 14-0. Maybe it's different. Maybe, you know, the game turns out a little, uh, you know, in a major, you know, very differently. But it's 6-0, and I think, I, you know, we're fine. And the second quarter starts, and the 49ers take off. And from that point forward, six straight touchdowns, and that was it. The Eagles just were not able to compete versus the Niners. The Niners were clearly the better team. The one thing that did stand out for me uh, because sometimes in these games you think, oh well, you know, there was, you know, th- this turnover or this happened or this thing happened. Overall, it was a very clean game by both teams. Both teams had less than fifty yards in in penalties, so it's not like this was a penalty riddled game. Turnovers. It was a clean game by both teams. No turnovers, and the Forty ers just put it on the Eagles. That as a 49er fan, this is what makes me feel good. If we got to play the Eagles again. The fact that this was a very clean game on both sides. And the Niners just beat the Eagles. That's what This is what this was. Mano a mano and the 49ers were just better. On Sunday, they were better. In Philadelphia, they were better. In, you know, with, with spotty rain, the 49ers were better. And everyone's made this point today, and I'll just add to it. The 49ers healthy are the best team in football. The 49ers with Trent Williams and Debo Samuel are the best team in football. The 49ers should win the Super Bowl this year because they're the best team in football. And barring some catastrophe, barring injury, this is the best team in football. And... On Sunday, it was super apparent that the Niners were the better team. Let's talk some Rams. The Rams are in the mix. The Rams are 6-6. Six and six. The Rams, even though they're held by scotch tape because they don't have a lot of depth. But they just, they just keep winning. And Sean McVay is a hell of a coach. And they have good enough roster to compete 
just about anybody. And if the Rams are able to stay healthy, the Rams are going to make the playoffs. And they put it on the Browns yesterday. So, good win for them. Sunday night, Chiefs, Packers. The Packers. Jordan Love. Jordan Love might be good. He might be good. On the other side, Casey, we're probably seeing the decline of Kelsey. Max Kellerman a few years ago talked about Tom Brady and talked about how Brady was hitting, was going to hit the, the cliff. I think we're seeing Travis Kelsey hit the cliff. Now, you can call it Taylor Swift and you can blame it on her, but the thing is, tight, you know, when you play tight end, you play tight end for a long time. It's a grueling physical position and Travis Kelsey is a really really good player really really good tight end I don't think he's going to go down as the greatest tight end ever because to me the greatest tight end ever is Gronkowski but man you know it's going to be really hard to, to, to argue against Travis Kelsey and he's really good and he's been playing since the 2023 season um, or 2024 season and he's just put you know he's just been a machine you know and I, I just talked about Mike Evans and Travis Kelsey's working on his ninth straight 1000 yard season you know he, he's, he's at 813 and he, he'll probably get that. You know, he'll probably get the remaining in the next four games. And so Travis Kelsey is, is one of the best tight ends ever, one of the best receiving tight ends. But at 34, he's probably slowly diminishing and hitting the cliff. And I think that's what's happening. Along with, along with the fact that the Chiefs just don't have the weapons they had before. And all of that is leading to the fact that Mahomes has to be even better. The fact that the running game has to be even more effective. But the problem is when you need to go down and you need to score and you don't have the weapons to go out and get those that the scores you need, then you find yourself in a position that the Chiefs have found themselves most of this season with the right guy behind center to get you there but the horses are not good enough and the Chiefs will probably they will fix it next offseason they're going to get some wide receivers and they'll be fine but this season not that good and the Packers with the young wide receivers with the young quarterback Matt LaFleur has yet to lose in December and the Chiefs weren't able to beat them in Lambeau Field. And tonight, uh, the Jaguars played the Bengals. The, the Jaguars played the Bengals. And this was supposed to be a Jaguars easy win. The Bengals are playing against Jake Browning and the Bengals. Um, but Jake Browning looked good. He looked composed. He didn't make a mistake. And he led the Bengals to victory tonight. 34-31 in overtime. The thing to look at. Trevor Lawrence got hurt in this game. He got stepped on his ankle by his one of the offensive linemen. They're saying it could be an ankle sprain. I'm hoping that's what it is for T-Law, for the NFL, for us, for Jaguar fans, for everybody. Um, and he'll have an MRI tomorrow, so we'll know more tomorrow. Um, but T-Law got, got injured. The Bengals might make it. The Bengals might be alive because if the Steelers falter, if the Steelers continue to slide and the Bengals are able to get the victories, I don't know. It could happen. It could happen. Now, here's where we stand. This is this is this is where we're at in the AFC. 
Miami 9-3 is the number one seed. Baltimore, two seed with a 9-3. Casey Jacksonville, in that order, Casey beat Jacksonville, therefore, they're the three seed, Jacksonville the fourth. They're both at 8-4. And, and then we have in... You know, in a tie, in a in a in a four-way tie, we have the Steelers, we have uh, the Colts, the Browns, and the Texans, all at seven and five. We have Denver, Buffalo, and Cincinnati, all at six and six. Now, it's seven teams, so as of now, four, one, two, three, and you know, it's it's just a mixture: Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Colts, I think right now that's what it is. Texans are looking out, Denver's looking out, Buffalo's looking out, Cincinnati's looking out. And all these teams, the Texans play the Jets. They should probably beat them. Pittsburgh plays the Steelers. Pittsburgh plays the Patriots. Now, the Patriots are not trying to win, but I don't know. I don't know if we can trust the Steelers. And if you're a Patriots fan, you're probably worried about Thursday night because you thought, okay, we're going to lose. I don't know. Mitchell Trubisky might have might have other plans for you. Um, and so it's just going to be it's just going to be super exciting down down the road. Now, this is why this is my case for Cincinnati because I think Cincinnati could maybe make it. They get the Colts on Sunday. They host the Colts. Now, that's going to be a huge game because the Colts are one of the teams that's in. So they're able to play spoiler and help themselves out with the win. Week 15, they play the Vikings. Now, Dobbs has returned back to, he's, you know, returned back to earth. His his historic run is kind of over. They will have Jefferson, but that should, you know, that's a very winnable game for the Bengals. And then week 16 at the Steelers. Again, Mitch Trubisky. The Bengals could win that game. Week 17 at the Chiefs. Now, that one's probably going to be a loss. And they end the season versus the Browns. So, if they win out, if they're able to win out and lose to the Chiefs, I think they get in because... Here's the, here's the Steelers. The Steelers play versus the pa Patriots. And then the Steelers go to the Colts, which is a tough game. As we've talked about the Colts, the Colts are, are really good, are really well coached. They host the Bengals. They go to the Seahawks, which the Seahawks will also need the game because they are fighting for the play the, their playoff lives. And they end the season at the Ravens. Now, the Ravens are fighting for the number one seed. So, the Ravens, too, will also need the game. So, all this is going to leave the door open for somebody to jump in. And why not Cincinnati? Maybe it's Buffalo. Maybe it's Denver. But Cincinnati's not out of the woods yet. We thought they were done without Joe Burrow. They might still have chance. Now, in the, in the a NFC, we got Philly. We got San Francisco. The Lions... The Falcons, because somebody has to win the South, and the Cowboys. Those are the five teams, definitive five teams. Well, not even definitive. The South might change a million times before we even the season ends. But we got Green Bay, Minnesota, the Rams, and the Sea Chickens, all at six and six. Tampa Bay, New Orleans, at five and seven. So a lot of stuff still to be to be decided from here until the end of the season. We got five weeks left. Um, well, four weeks left. We have four weeks left, and a lot of stuff has has yet to be decided in the NFL. So we'll see how all this shakes out. But if you're the Rams, for example, and you're at six and six, and you're kind of looking around the NFC, you, you can. I I think the Rams could sneak in. The Rams find themselves, for example, they go at. At the Ravens this week. Should be a tough one. They might lose. They probably lose that one. But then they host the Commanders. They host the Saints. They 
they go to the Giants. That's 3-1. And they end the season at San Francisco. And if they go 3-2 and two, and they end the season 9-7, and seven, that might be enough. That might be enough to get them in because the Seahawks have a brutal schedule coming up. They get the Niners this week. Then they play the Eagles the week after that. And they go to the Titans, which they should beat the Titans, but the Titans are also not an easy team to play. They play versus the Steelers, which now with Mitchell Trubisky, that's a much easier game. To the Cardinals, divisional game, and that those games are never easy. So the Rams have a chance here. So don't be surprised if you know we're starting the wild card round and we have the Rams in there along with... Green Bay, because I think Seattle's faltering a lot, and I don't think Minnesota's going to be able to keep this up. And I think Green Bay and the Rams, I think they have a really good chance of getting in. I think th- those two teams might be the the teams that get in and and uh, kind of shake everything up. Let's end the pod with the NBA. We had really good game today, man. High-level basketball. Uh, the unfortunate thing about sometimes about the NBA, and I think the NBA has this problem more so than the NFL, because um, the NFL doesn't really, you know, markets don't really matter all that much. It's why one of the biggest, most popular teams in in the NFL is the Green Bay Packers. Which, if they were in the NFL, in the NBA, um, you know, they'd be not that important. But, and then you, you know, you even get Pittsburgh, who's a small market team, because they play in a small market, and even, you know, they're a big deal. But the NBA has, you know, markets and all that. And the Pacers are a team that's been, they've been arguably the most exciting team. The entire NBA. They have the best offense in the NBA. The most exciting offense. And they have. Probably the most exciting player right now. In Tyrese Halliburton. And nobody has seen them. Because the Pacers haven't had any. Nationally televised game. And today was their first one. Uh, Might be their. Actually it won't be the only one. Because they advanced the semifinal. But they played the Boston Celtics today in the quarterfinal of the in-season tournament, and they beat the Celtics 122-112. It was electric down the stretch. Um, Tatum and, and Jalen Brown were were cooking, and they were doing their thing. Um, Derek White also was, was was had a really good game for the Celtics. But Halliburton just kept hitting threes at the end. He had the 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 four-point play that kind of sealed the deal for the Pacers. And the Pacers just outlasted the Celtics in a really good game. And I don't know how ex- I don't know how popular the in-season tournament is going to end up being. We're going to have to wait, you know, five seasons at least to know how important it is. But the players, if the players are competitive and these guys care about winning and one of the things that we... You know, we we love about the are the greatest athletes is their competitive drive. It's why, you know, when you when you watch the the last dance thing with Michael Jordan, what stood out was just how competitive he was. Uh, other stories about Kobe and his competitive drive, or or Tom Brady and what he you know how competitive he is. Cristiano Ronaldo, the same thing. It's just that competitive gene. That they want to win at anything. If you're playing ping pong, they, they, they want to beat you at that. And if they're able to take that competitive fire into into the in-season tournament and care for it. Now, are we going to be, you know, oh, well, you know, this guy is, you know, ultimately, this, you know, Jason Tatum was one of the top ten greatest players because not only did he win X amount of titles, but he also had four in-season tournaments. Maybe not. Or maybe it will. Maybe as as you know, as more of these are played and they care about them, 
Maybe maybe it does get to that point. But even if it isn't a legacy maker or legacy breaker, for the sense for competitive for the competitive sense, I think I hope that these guys care. And and today what made the game so great is that you saw both teams caring. You saw that both teams cared about winning. Um and they cared about just continue, you know, to, to beat each other, and and that's what that's what you want to see more so than anything else. You want to see that the guys care. You want to see that the guys are invested in it because ultimately it's a competition. It's why seeing a team like the Bulls sucks because the Bulls are are just a team that doesn't care to play. They don't care if they win. They don't care if they lose. And it's why watching them just it, it's a, it's such a horrible experience because those guys are all losers and they don't care whether they win or lose and and the the Pacers and the Celtics had a really good game today where they both cared about the result and that's what you want to see in the second game the Pelicans and the Kings the Kings lose 127 to 117 to the Pelicans the Pelicans advance Brandon Ingram 30 points and he was just unguardable for them unguardable for the kings the kings had no no answer uh cj mccollum since his return he's opened up that that log jam that existed in that offense and he's been a key the catalyst to open them up herb jones is you know he was just spotting up and and hitting just drilling big threes after big threes down the stretch and trey murphy trey murphy him and Herb and Herb Jones to end this end the the game were just too much and Jonas Valanciunas man that guy the Kings went small and, and Valanciunas was just killing them in the paint and the Kings just had no answer for them the Kings missed way too many shots down the stretch uh, Malik Monk was you know just driving and just 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 was out of control that they, they didn't have somebody that was able to was going to be able to calm them down. Um, they needed like a Chris Paul type to just calm them down, getting good possessions, getting good shots. And the Kings down the stretch were just were not able to get good shots um, consistently. And, and that's why ultimately they lost today. Uh, but the Pelicans advance and they await the winner of the Lakers and the Suns tomorrow. The, the Lakers and Suns play tomorrow. The winner plays... Um, the Pelicans, and on the other side, the Knicks and the and the Bucks play, and the winner plays the Pacers. So we're nearing the end. We're nearing the end of the in season tournament. It's been a success. Shout out to the NBA. They knew what they were doing, um, and it's been very successful. Very very exciting, um, and it's good to have basketball be exciting in December. Typically, uh, bas you know basketball games don't get super exciting until like december 25th christmas day um but it's exciting now and so um we'll see how all this shakes out and we'll do we'll do a a big nba pod on or a bigger nba pod on uh, later on this week to to kind of preview what's going to happen in the semifinals and ultimately the finals but I'm hoping the Lakers win, obviously. And if not the Lakers, hopefully the Pacers. That'd be cool. It'd be cool to see Tyrese Halliburton win win the first the first ever in season tournament. And so with that, I say goodbye. That's the pod. Ryan Garcia. Look good. We'll see who he fights next. The 49ers are kings of the NFL. At least for now. And in the NBA, Tyrese Halliburton had his day in the sunlight. So I'll talk to you later. We'll do a preview pod of the Haney fight that's happening this this Saturday. Um, I'll do a preview of the NFL Week 14. And we'll do some NBA. And we have some other stuff cooking. So uh, I don't know if that gets done this week, but just we have stuff cooking so a way to wait for us subscribe thank you for listening i'll talk to you later
right, that's the pod. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to the pod and uh, you can listen to wherever you listen to podcasts. So please rate, review, subscribe. Five stars, five stars for German and the Arizona podcast. Thank you for listening. Until next time.